This inspiring message comes to you from Impact Church in Kingston, Ontario, where we are committed to living like Jesus and loving like Jesus. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. So this morning, uh, we're going to be doing our second part of our series called Fit to Last, Hashtag Relationships. And last week, we talked about integrity. And uh, this week, we're going to be talking about communication. And before we do, though, I just want to pray and let's communicate with God uh, before we talk about communication uh, with one another. So let's just take a moment. Father, we just uh, welcome your presence here this morning. God, I just thank you that you want your voice to be heard throughout the earth. And God, I just thank you that you are beginning to move and to stir hearts all around the world to fall deeply in love with you, to welcome your presence into their lives. And so God, this morning, for this group of people here today, God, I pray that we would open up our minds, open up our ears, Open up our hearts to hear, receive, and understand what you are communicating with us this morning. And then, Father, I pray that you will give us the grace to put into practice what your truth requires of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So the definition of fit that we gave last week was from the Greek word euthetos, um, or you say to us, I'm not completely sure which way you say that, but I'm pretty sure it's youth to toss. And um, it means to be well-placed, suited for, or adapted to. And the Phillips commentary also describes the word fit as those who are fit are those who are able to live under the rule and the reign of God. So is God uh, the master and the Lord of your life? Is he the master and the Lord of your relationships? That's what it means to have fit, healthy relationships. So the very first thing you want to look at is in your, uh, in your desire to have a healthy relationship, is God rule, ruling and reigning over those relationships in my life? And we also gave a definition of integrity. So we recognize that integrity is the foundation to communication. Integrity and communication is foundation to boundaries, which we're going to talk about next week. Um, so again, we want to bring that definition of integrity into today's message, and it means one who can be examined and found to be true. Um, and we talked about the concept that integrity is about truth on the inside and the outside. It's the inner heart and the outer actions. It's the private and the public life. That's what integrity is. So this morning as we talk about communication, it's obviously going to be very important for me that I communicate what I want to communicate about communication, isn't it? That's going to be really important. So the communication involves this process. You say something, and you know what you think you're saying when you say what you say. Then others who are listening to you hear what you say, but they may not hear what you say in a different, or they may hear what you say in a different way than you intended it for it to be heard. Then the people who hear you, they respond to you on the basis of what they thought they heard you say and how they felt about what they thought you were saying. Then you hear what they said, but you may not know exactly what they meant when they said what they said, but you think maybe you do, and so you respond to what you think maybe they said. How many are you confused this morning? <laughs> How many here knows that communication 
in relationships is one, of the, is one of the most confusing and difficult things at times, especially when it's in a close relationship, such as marriages or a parent or a, t- or a, ch- a, parent or a child. Uh, communication can be really, really difficult. Um, and what I just want to clarify this morning is that sometimes the concept of giving out information and communication gets mixed up or is used interchangeably. So information is the concept of giving out. But communication is the concept of getting through. So when you're communicating with somebody, you're not just wanting to give them information. You actually want to get through to them. You actually want to communicate with them. You want a a back and forth, not just a monologue. You want a dialogue with people. You want to communicate. You want to get through. And uh, just a quick example is... um, I don't know how many of you might have heard of Ravi Zacharias. He's an author and speaker, apologist down in the States. He's absolutely an amazing uh, philosophical communicator, and uh, he travels all around the world. Well, he was sharing a story about how he was at uh, his daughter Naomi's home, and uh, they have, he has a three-and-a-half-year-old grandson. So he went over there for a meal, and he was about, they were all about to sit down and have the meal, and and so the father of the son, he prays, and then the mother, she says, and everybody out loud says, amen. So they say amen, and then this three-and-a-half-year-old grandson, he says, mommy, he says, how is it, or why is it that every time daddy prays, you, you have to say out loud, say amen. And um, so his mom decides, okay, this is, I need to communicate to him what amen means. So she goes into this whole process of what's the root word of amen, and what does it mean, and why do we do that, and, and she went on and on and on, and finally she finished, and the three-and-a-half-year-old just threw up his hands, and he says, could somebody please just tell me what just happened? <laughs> So she gave him a lot of information, but the communication of getting through wasn't quite there. Um, So we want to make sure that when we are communicating with one another, that we're not just spewing information, that we're actually getting through to the one we're talking to. Another quick example um, would be from Luke 16, 39 and 40, and I don't believe this is actually on the PowerPoint, Renee. Um, This is Jesus speaking to the Pharisees, and he said, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. And, um, you know, when you think of, of the Bible, and we often do this, and please don't brand me a heretic. Listen, listen to me until I get to the end so I can communicate with you, so I can get through. Um, you know, sometimes we come to the Word of God, and, and these are... These are the words of God. These are his principles. These are his truths. And we want desperately to apply them to our lives. And sometimes we read something in the scriptures and we recognize that it is a good thing, that it's something that we really should apply to our lives. So we take that principle and we're trying to to desperately walk it out, to struggle it through, to work it through in our lives. And the unfortunate part is, is that we're trying to use a piece of information to transform our lives without actually coming to the person who is the transformer. Does that make sense? So even the Bible sometimes to us can be just information being put out there, but it's not getting through to us. And the way that it gets through to us is that we actually have to come into a relationship with Jesus Christ so that he can communicate with us. We can communicate with him so he can get through to us and we can get through to him. Does that make sense? Awesome. 
Um, so when you're looking at that scripture then, the difference can be sometimes, the difference can be between religion and relationship. Religion is information. Uh, communication is relationship. So Jesus said, take heed how you hear and hear and understand. So don't just listen, hear it and understand it. He wants us to have the communication get through to us. So the first thing we want to consider in communication is, how do I talk to myself? Who would have thought that that would be the number one thing that you're going to want to look at when you're thinking about communication is, first of all, how do I talk to myself? Because do you know that we're talking to ourselves all the time? For some of you, you might not know that I have a background in behavioral science technology. So um, there's some psychology put in in there. And one of those concepts is the fact that we we do self-talking. We're constantly talking to ourselves, whether we recognize it or not. There's just like this waterfall of words that are going over our minds and over our hearts and over our spirits and over our lives constantly. Um, You know, even when you're dreaming, right, you're still talking to yourself. There's still stuff going on no matter what. You may, you know, I know that said that the men have a a nothing box, but I don't know. I don't, I don't think they really do. I think there is still something going on, even if it's just hockey, 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 hockey. I don't know. There's, there's still self-talk going on there for sure. So we have a waterfall of words there that's always going across our minds. So the question for us then is, so what does the waterfall of words for us sound like? Is your self-talk loving and kind and full of grace and truth? Or is your self-talk negative and critical and condemning and guilt-ridden, uh, the way that you, that you um, speak to yourself. Do you say things like, you know what, I shouldn't have tried it. I'm so stupid. I shouldn't have done it. Or do you say, you know what, I, you know what? I messed up that time. That's okay. I'm going to get back up. I'm going to repent. I'm going to ask Jesus to help me next time. And I'm going to allow the grace and the truth of God to wash over me. And I'm going to try again. What's your self-talk this morning? Is it religion, information, or is it relationship? communication that's getting through. So the way that we speak to ourselves is often how we speak to others. Isn't that true? Isn't that why that generational curse happens where it gets passed on from generation to generation? You know, I grew up in a, not me, I'm just saying, as a a potential person out there. Um, I grew up in a, in a home where my father was exceptionally angry with me and he never spoke kindly to me. And now I'm in a relationship where I speak that way to my parent. It's that, it's that same as you talk to yourself, you then talk to somebody else. And then that just gets carried on and carried on and carried on. So what we want to understand this morning is, first of all, how does God speak to us? So that we can change our self-talk so that the way we talk to ourselves is then the way God speaks to us, and then it's the way God speaks to other people when we speak to them. So the second thing we want to look at today is we're going to look quickly at eight ways that God communicates with us, which we can then use as a communication foundation in any one of our relationships, whether it's marriage, parent-child, child-parent, friend, whatever it might be. So number one, it's God is a communicator. So if you question that, listen to this. Numbers 22, 26 to 28 says, The angel of the Lord went ahead and stood in a narrow place where there was no room to turn to the right or to the left. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she crouched down under Balaam. So he became furious and beat the donkey with his stick. 
Then the Lord opened the donkey's mouth, and she asked Balaam, What have I done to you that you have beaten me these three, three times? How's that for God desiring to communicate with his people? <laughs> he was desperately trying to keep Balaam the prophet from going and um, perhaps trying to pronounce a curse over Israel. And God was trying desperately, and this wasn't the first time, he was trying desperately to get through to this guy, don't go, don't speak anything I, I, I don't give you. Do, you can't curse Israel, don't go. And Balaam wouldn't listen, so he opened a donkey's mouth. That's, that really reveals how much God wants to communicate with us. Um, as you know, the Bible itself is God's communication to us. It's his love letter to us. It's his word. Um, he spent thousands of years revealing himself to mankind so that we would have this love letter. We would have this word of God that we can look at and know that God wants to communicate and get through to us. And what does he want to get through to us? He wants to get through to us that he loves us desperately, so much so that he would send his son to sacrifice on the cross, that we would be forgiven and have abundant life. Um, number two, God communicates from a place of truth. So not only does, is God a communicator, but he's one that communicates from a place of truth. So we learned last week that God in his word is full of integrity. It's incorruptible. It's sound. It's stable. It's complete. It's whole. It's perfect. It's undivided. And out of that integrity, God speaks truth to us. Hebrews 6 and 18 says, it is impossible for God to lie. So he speaks to us out of his character of truth. Um, Ephesians 4, 25, and this is, you know, when God is speaking to us out of truth, then he says to us, tell your neighbor the truth. He says, don't lie to your neighbor. So we can know that in our relationships, as God speaks truth to us, that we then need to speak truth to others. Um, number three, God communicates truth out of a heart of love and compassion. So he communicates, he communicates truth, and he communicates truth at a heart of love and compassion for mankind. Psalm 145 and 8 says this, The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and of great mercy. So then his example for us in Ephesians 4 and 15 says, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head in Christ. So he wants us, as we communicate, as we try to get through to other people, he's saying the only way you're going to get through to him is if you communicate with truth out of a heart of love and out of a heart of compassion. Ephesians 4 and 29 also says this, Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification, according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Who knows that is a, a word of God and a principle that's really hard to live up to. <laughs> if you're a parent here and you have a child... <laughs> You can know that sometimes it's not as easy to constantly be speaking with no unwholesome work coming out of your mouth and only for edification, <laughs> especially when you're trying to put your child in time out. <laughs> you're holding them down. You're saying, no, sit on the chair. <laughs> you have to sit on the chair for two minutes. It can be difficult, but God does call us to that. But I can tell you that when he gives us a principle in his word, he says, come to me in relationship. Let me communicate how I will communicate with you out of that truth and out of that love. And I will give you the grace and the strength to communicate out of that same truth and love uh, to others so that it will get through to them, that you can build them up, that you can edify them. Number four, God is a patient communicator. Whew. 
How many of us need that one this morning? You know, when somebody makes us angry, I don't know if the first thought is, oh, I need to be a patient communicator. (laughs) It's more like, excuse me, (laughs) pardon me. (laughs) Let's backtrack a little bit. Um, we're We're not necessarily slow to anger, but God is. It says Psalm 86 and 15, But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. You know, God, as I mentioned earlier, he took thousands of years um, to reveal himself to mankind. When I first had the revelation, or began to have a revelation of God's unconditional love, this is actually what really spoke to me, was that God, you know, when we disobeyed in the garden, and we fell into sin through Adam and Eve, and mankind then was in a, a sinful state, you know, God immediately put into place a plan to bring about a mediator, Jesus Christ, so that we could come back into spiritual life. We could come back into relationship with God and be able to communicate with him and him with us once again, just heart to heart, face to face, intimacy to intimacy. And, and God spent thousands of years working in mankind, revealing himself to mankind, communicating with mankind so that we could have the ultimate communication of his truth and his love and his compassion and his patience through Jesus Christ. Isn't that a beautiful uh, representation of his patience and love towards us? That he would spend all of that time making sure that he could communicate uh, properly with us so that he could get through to us a need for salvation, how it can happen and then to have that salvation worked out in our lives. I thought that was absolutely amazing. And you know, obviously God is still communicating with us today. Every Sunday we come here, every time you pick up the Bible, every time you worship, he's still trying to communicate with us. He's still trying to get through to us. I'm a good, good father. It's who I am. You are loved. It's who you are. I'm a good, good father. He's still trying to get through to us that message. An example for us in terms of patient communication is James 1 and 19. It says, Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Proverbs 15 and 1 says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. You take a look at uh, the story in the Bible of Hannah, who she was... She became the mother of Samuel, a great prophet. But Hannah was barren, and, and every year her and her husband would go up to the temple of God. And this one year they went up to the temple of God, and Hannah was just, she was just broken with being barren and not seeing in her life what she wanted God to do and to see. And she desperately wanted a child. Her husband's other uh, wife had multiple children. And, and in that time and in that day, it was, it was like God's hand of blessing was on you if you had multiple children, but if you had no children, you were cursed. And so Hannah was desperate, and she went up to the temple of God, and in that she's crying out, and she's speaking under her breath before God, and the priest comes to her, and he says, woman, put away the the drink and the wine from you. Can you imagine? Can you imagine coming up here to the altar, and you're crying out to God, and Pastor Cameron comes and says, what are you, drunk? Stop drinking. Put away that intoxicating drink. You think maybe you might go, pardon? (laughs) I'm at the altar. I'm in the temple of God. I'm crying out to him. 
But you know what? Aunt Hannah, she was very slow to, to anger, and um, she just and she, she gave him a very quiet answer. She said, no, my Lord. No, my Lord. And this is Rachel's paraphrase. Basically, my heart is broken, and I'm just crying out to God. I'm pouring out my, God, pouring out my heart to God. And the priest then says to her, he says, be blessed. May God grant you your request. And she has a son the next year. That is, um, you know, giving a kind word in the midst of wrath, and it, and it turns it around to a blessing instead of a curse. Um, another, number five, God is an intimate communicator. So God is a communicator. He speaks truth to us. He speaks out of love and compassion. He speaks with patience. He's slow to anger, and he is an intimate communicator. He's not afraid to reveal himself. So Exodus 33 and 18, and this is Moses, and he's talking with God, and he wants to see God uh, even more. He wants more of an intimate relationship with God, and he says, please show me your glory. And the Hebrew word glory in that particular scripture is the word kabod. And that word kabod means the, the weight of something, figuratively in a good sense. It speaks of splendor and abundance and honor. And Exodus 33 and 19, God's response to Moses was this, I will make all my goodness pass before you. And he then reveals to Moses his loving kindness, his compassion, his mercy, his forgiveness, his long-suffering, his patience. And, um, and that word goodness is the Hebrew word tuab, and it means good in the widest sense, nothing withheld. So basically what God was saying, you know what, Moses, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let all my goodness pass before you. I'm going to, with nothing withheld or held back, I'm going to reveal myself to you. So he, he, obviously, he couldn't show Moses everything because otherwise Moses would die because he was just a physical human being. So he hid him and showed him his glory, showed him his goodness. He held nothing back. You know, how many of us in our relationships, we, we feel so vulnerable that we are often hiding ourselves. It's really hard for us to really reveal ourselves to one another because we feel so vulnerable. Um, but God reveals himself to us. He wants us to communicate intimately, intimately, intimately with one another. Talk about communication. I need help with my communication this morning. Um, he wants us to be vulnerable with one another. Obviously, you use wisdom. Um, you pick the ones that you know that are going to uh, deal gently with your vulnerability if you need to be in your transparency. Um, but he wants us to to give ourselves to other people. He wants us to reveal our minds and our hearts and our spirits and know that when you do, that you know what? They are still going to like you. They are still going to love you for who you are. You're wonderful the way God has made you, and he wants you to be intimate and transparent like he is. Number six, God communicates for our benefit that we might know him. Hebrews 1, 1 to 3 says this, In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. So he's helped us to know him by sending his son to die in our place that we might, again, have that abundant life and come into a relationship, come into a place of communication, of allowing his voice and his truth and his heart and his mind get through to us. 
Why? So that we can be a, um, the next one is um, God communicates to maintain relationships and to reconcile distance ones. He wants us to be ministers of reconciliation as well. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 20 says this, Everything is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, certain that God is appealing through us. We plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So God wants us to know him, and he wants us to know how he would reconcile himself to us so that we can have other people know us and us know them, that we can be reconciled with them. How many of us walk around in, in our marriages and in any of our relationships thinking, you know what, I'm, a ba- I'm an ambassador of Christ in this relationship. It's probably not number one on, on your thought list. It's probably not number one on your self-talk waterfall list, is it? What changes would we see in our relationships if we walked around going, you know what? God had a ministry of reconciliation to me, and I'm an ambassador. I'm a representation of God, of Jesus Christ, in every situation, every relationship, everything we do, everything we say. What Scott was speaking uh, this morning about social media, go on Facebook, be an ambassador of Jesus Christ on Facebook. Let, let's change social media. Let's change it, guys. Let the voice of truth rise over the voice of the enemy on the airwaves out there. Um, number eight, God is a faithful and true communicator. He is a faithful and true witness. Revelations 3 and 14 says this, To the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These sayings says the amen the faithful and true witness. And you know that faithful and true witness, what that means basically is that God will faithfully speak the truth to us. He will never lie to us. The word of God, if you, rec- if you be- know beyond a shadow of a doubt, and that's something that you, you must, in order for you to have the healthy, fit relationships you want, in order to walk in integrity, in order to communicate the way you want, and next week when we talk about boundaries, in order to be able to do those, you must know beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is the word of God, that this is the truth. Because everything has to line up with it. Everything has to line up with the standard of the word of God so that we can communicate and get through with the truth and with the voice of God the way that he wants to communicate. And you know, sometimes, even though God is a faithful and true witness, sometimes he has to faithfully come and speak the truth to us, even if it hurts. The Bible says that it's a sword, that it's living and it's active, that it's sharper sharper than a double-edged sword. And you know what? Sometimes that truth of the sword of the word of God comes into our lives, and on one side of that sword, it cuts away the lies of the enemy. But on the other side, it heals and restores, and it brings the truth. Isn't that amazing how the word of God, when it's used properly, not in religion, but in relationship, not in information, 
but in getting through, that it heals and it restores and it breaks off the lies of the enemy and it brings healing and restoration to a people. So those are eight things, eight ways that God communicates with us that we can use as communication foundation for our relationships. And this morning I want to, um, I'm going to be ending with this, I want to bring in contrast to God's voice and communication. I want to speak into something I believe God wants to bring freedom to people today. Proverbs 12 and 17 says, A truthful witness gives honest testimony, but a false witness tells lies. I want to speak to you about the accuser of the brethren in relationships. Do you know that Satan is a lying and false witness? Jesus Christ is the faithful and true witness, but the enemy is a lying and a false witness. And he stands before the courts of our God, and at times he he stands there and he accuses us of things that maybe we haven't done or maybe things that we've done in the past that we've been forgiven of, but he still stands in the courts of our God and he says, see that open door? See that one thing that person did? And he stands and he continues to accuse us To God, our Heavenly Father, Job 1 and 6 says this, One day the members of the heavenly court came to present themselves before the Lord, and the accuser Satan came with them. Zechariah 3 and 1 says, Then the angel showed me Jeshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. The accuser Satan was there at the angel's right hand making accusations against Jeshua. I think the enemy has been standing as false witness against many this morning, and I truly believe that Um, God wants to begin to break off lies this morning. I believe in relationships, in your close, intimate relationships, in marriages, in uh, parent-child, child-parent, and maybe some of your friendships, maybe maybe, um, church relationships, that there has been lies that the enemy has been placing upon you. He has he has been condemning you. He has been putting guilt on you. He has allowed his voice to be your self-talk. And I believe this morning that God wants to break off the enemy's lies and the enemy's voice. That for some of you, it has literally been bombarding you. That you can't shake it. You can't run from it. You can't hide from it. No matter how much you hear sermons, no matter how much you worship, no matter how much you take in the truth and the word of God, somehow you just can't shake the lies that the enemy has speaking over you. John 8 and 44, we read this last week, it says when Jesus was speaking to the Pharisees, it says, you are of the father of the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. You know, God speaks out of his integrity, his character of truth. But the enemy in our day and in our age, with mass media, with information, 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 what's getting through to us is the enemy's voice. Instead of relationship, 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 In God's communication, his voice getting through to us. And this morning I felt like, well, this whole week I felt like 
God wants to break off something that he wants, he's calling ill-fitting words. We talk about fit, healthy relationships. It means well-suited and adapted to and for. And I believe this morning that God is saying that those lies of the enemy, that voice of the enemy that has been speaking over you, that has been affecting you, he says there's words that have been in your heart and in your mind and in your spirit and it's in your, it's just your waterfall. And he says it's ill-fitting. It's not well-suited for you. You're not adapted to it. It's not meant to fit you. And, you know, that word fit can also be like the concept of being uncomfortable. If you wear ill-fitting clothes, if it's too tight or too loose or too big or too small, you know it feels uncomfortable. It doesn't quite fit. It's not for me. And I feel like that is God's voice speaking to you this morning saying, it's ill-fitting. It doesn't suit you. You're not adapted for it. Don't let it stay there anymore. Ephesians 4, 24 and 25 says, Everything connected with your old way of life has to go. It's rotten through and through. Get rid of it. And then take on an entirely new way of life. A God-fashioned life. A life renewed from the inside integrity and working itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you, the character of truth. What this adds up to then is this, no more lies, no more pretense. Tell your neighbor the truth. In Christ's body, we're all connected to each other. After all, when you lie to others, you lie to yourself. So some of you this morning, you've been struggling with that self-talk the lying words that the enemy has spoken over you. And you know, sometimes the accuser of the brethren is standing before the courts of our God and in his face, and sometimes we stand there with him. Whether it's we're standing there with him when we're accusing ourselves along with him, we come into agreement with him, and you say, you know what, God, he's right. You know what, God, maybe I'm not that intelligent. You know what, God, maybe... Maybe I'm not meant for anything better. Maybe I should just stay here. Maybe I can't change. Maybe I can't make this marriage work. Maybe I can't help this person. And you're standing in the courts of God and you're agreeing with the enemy's voice. And you're standing before God and you too then become a lying and false witness. And you know what happens is we what happens is we, we welcome the voice of the enemy. And you know what welcome means? It means we make room for an accommodate. Where are you making room for and accommodating the enemy's voices? Where are you agreeing with his voice? With his character of lies? Do you know what God wants to communicate this morning? He wants to communicate that at your very core... He wants to change and transform you from a place of agreeing with the enemy's voice and any character of lying to agreeing with the voice of God and have the character of truth in your heart and in your life this morning. It's only by the power and the grace of a holy God through the forgiveness of Jesus Christ under his name and the blood that was shed on the cross that can wash away every sin, that can wash away every voice of the enemy. Do you know why he can do that? It says in 
Revelations 12 and 10, it says, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down, he who accuses them before our God day and night. Jesus Christ has overcome the voice and the lies of the enemy. And he has cast the accuser down. And you know, this morning the word says that as the people of God, as the children of God, that we overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, our witness. God this morning wants you to come into agreement with him. He wants you to welcome him, his voice. He wants you to make room for and accommodate his voice and his presence this morning. And I feel like God is saying, come out from under those ill-fitting words spoken over you. Come out from under condemnation, guilt, and lies. They have no hold over you, for they have been cast down with the accuser by the name and the blood of Jesus Christ. A quick quote before we uh, finish this morning by Lisa Bevere. It says, no matter how many times a lie is spoken, it can't become the truth. And I would add, no matter how many times the truth is declared a lie, it will always be the truth. Thank you for taking the time to listen to one of our messages from Impact Church. We hope and trust that this message encouraged you. If you want to find out more information about our church, check us out online at www.impactkingston.com.